So I, I want to, before we get into it, I want to give you, you guys some updates on what's happening and going on in our household. Um, I always try to do this anytime I speak. And so last Sunday, Stacey and I celebrated 18 years of marriage. Praise God. Amen. Man, she is, she is tremendously blessed by God. Amen. Um, as we all know. And... Um, <laughs> The next thing is, is that yesterday, um, our oldest daughter, Virginia, went to prom. Oh, we got plenty of pictures. Absolutely. So, and here's the thing, and and I had a, a sister of mine taught me this. She was like, you know, Kemp, celebrate her as a young woman. And I really needed that word because, man, when I watched her walk out yesterday, I was like, I got hit in the gut. And if you're a father who has daughters, no matter how old they are, you know what I mean, because this was no longer the young baby girl that we brought home from the hospital 17 years ago. She was like this young woman, heels on, dress. And she looked phenomenal. And I didn't know how to be. And Stacy just smiled. She's like, babe, look, look, look. And I'm just like, yeah, you know. But so, so happy for her. I mean, she had a great time. And, you know, it's good to have just trustworthy kids, at least one trustworthy child. Um, the others will, it's the, it's still... It's still out on how they're going to be or become, but, but we're making sure that we love them well. I want us to venture into a space that I believe God has had me in personally for the past couple of months. And I just want to tell you right now, this is not this ultra thing that we're going to be, some of you will be really excited about, some of you will be like, hold on, I've, I've really never leaned into that or talked about that. And we live in a time right now in our space, especially within our own city, to where we see a lot of different things happening and going on. And being a person that is in a lot of these spaces, and I get to hear from a lot of different people, what I realized is the more my heart grieves for what I hear and for just behavior. And so... I've been really leaning into lament and what that looks like and what that means. For me, first of all, personally, but then what does it mean for us as a community to lament together? And a lot of times, you know, you don't find too much in churches where we're talking about lament because it's a jarring topic to talk about because it really gets down deep into our fields of humanity. And really, if we're all being honest, what we want to do is we want to be made to feel good. We want to leave out. We want to be like, oh, my gosh, yes, I'm ready to run through this brick wall. But here's the thing. If we don't really lean into lament, what, what we're doing is, is that we're not allowing ourselves the space in the presence of God to grieve. A lament is a prayer expressing sorrow, pain, or deep-seated grief or confusion. 
Lament for us should be our chief way, our primary way of processing grief in God's presence for us as believers. And I don't have to tell you because some of you work in this industry that mental health in our society is at an all-time high. People are dealing with loneliness. They're dealing with grief of just a lifespan of grief that really they've never really dealt with because that's just not how our society teaches us. We get taught a lot just to kind of grin our teeth and bear it, to kind of deal with it. Or better yet, this one always works. Just get over it. Or it'll be all right, or it'll be okay. And so this is very touchy, even for us in the body of Christ, because why wow, we've, we've kind of seen things through rose-colored glasses. And what we say is, it was like, well, man, well, doesn't Jesus cover all that? And so we spiritually bypass it by putting the Jesus sticker on everything. So I don't expect a lot of amens this morning, amen, and that's okay. But I want to come and give you what I believe God has given us in the body of Christ. And how this is going to be a help not only to us individually, but it's going to be a help to us corporately. And so we're going to look at two, we're going to look at the same scripture in two different gospels. Because they represent two different perspectives. And so we have to understand, lament is also a direct expression of our trust in God. That's what lament shows us. It's a direct expression of our trust in God. And there's elements of true lament. The first thing we have to be able to do, we have to be able to turn to God. In our time of lament, in our time of deep sorrow, deep grief. The next thing we have to do, we have to be willing to bring our complaint to God. And you may look at me funny about, well, I thought we wasn't supposed to complain. We're not. See, our complaint, the part of speech is simply a noun. It's that thing that we bring before God, that we lay on his altar, that we say, hey, man, I don't get this. And what I'll tell you is the reason why we don't do it really well, the reason why we don't talk about lament and the reason why we don't really know how to do it and really break our complaint, and I'm going to case study Pastor Coach this morning. See, when I was growing up, I got told repeatedly, right, and tell me if this happened to you. My parents, who I love, great parents, they raised me really well. But if I asked why, I got slapped in the mouth. I could ask the why question. It was identified as me talking back. Is that anybody in here? <laughs> Look, everybody's, yes, right? It's okay to tell off on your parents and even your grandparents. And so my parents did that. It's like, hey, no, and I'm like, okay. And so when I went to my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles, I did the same thing, and there was another slap in the mouth. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm really messing up here. And so that transitioned to where I went to school, and guess what I didn't do when I went to school? I didn't ask any questions because what I was taught was I don't ask why. And so now when we get into Christendom, 
And maybe this is none of y'all, but I was even told you don't ask God why. Anybody? Anybody? You don't ask God why. Right? Because we got a whole bunch of scriptures that we can give you as to why you don't ask God why. And, man, all these things that happened, what, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. Come on now. Let's cheerlead this thing out. Something happens to somebody, we give them a quick scripture. We say, it's going to be okay. Hey, God is going to take care of it. And God is going to do all those things. What happens, though, is, and why people leave the faith is, we've been instructed not to ask the why question. And when you're instructed not to ask the why question, what you're really saying is, is that I cannot bring my complaint to God. So when we look at lament... If God lamented, if Jesus lamented, I believe it's okay. I believe it's all right. We just haven't been taught how to do it well. But here's what we'll do if we can all be honest. I will take my complaint to everything, everybody else but to him. I'll take it to social media, I'll take it to my friends, I'll take it to my family, I'll take it to the government, I'll take it to everywhere else, but I never take it to God. And when you don't take your complaint to God, what winds up happening is you just wind up complaining. Because I never take my complaint to him, the one who can do something with it and about it, then I just wind up complaining. And my complaining now leads me to sin. So let's read about Jesus. So if you turn with me in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, we're going to look at verse 32. And just to kind of set the stage, Jesus is with his disciples before this, before he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he has the Lord's Supper. He, he washes feet. He, he's preparing. He's doing all these things. And then he withdraws himself. So verse 32 reads, Then they came to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. It's interesting that he took Peter, James, and John because Peter, James, and John was the same three that met him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, Jesus. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. And he went a little further and he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. But this is Jesus. Wait a minute. This is superhero Jesus. Fed to 5,000, healing, people can see again, 
all this stuff. So Jesus is identified in this passage of Scripture of being deeply grieved, as he says about himself, distressed and troubled. And he wanted to go and pray that this hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Take this cup away from me. We see Jesus in his lament in this moment. And he does the first two things that we just talked about. He turns first of all to God, brings the disciples, turns from, he, he turns to God, but then he brings his complaint before the Father. What's his complaint? Man, take this cup. Why this cup? For, one, for the first time, that cup represented Daddy God's wrath that was going to separate Jesus from Daddy. If at all possible, he was deeply grieved and distressed. Not because he was going to be crucified, but I'm going to be separated from daddy. I am deeply stressed and grieved to the point of death because I'm going to be separated from the one who has been my portion from the one that has been my ever-present help in a time of need, and I need him now more than ever. And because I got to take this cup for Kemp and all these people, I got to be separated from daddy. But he's Jesus. You knew the role, Jesus. You knew what was coming, dog. Come on now. You know what you signed up for when you left. You knew this day was coming. Yeah, we all know the day is coming, but it doesn't mean that I can't get into my feelings and get emotional and still be hurt and still be weighed down. It don't make me any less of a believer. That don't mean that my faith is rocked. Amen? That just means that I'm human. That just means, man, that I hurt. That just means that I'm grieved to the point of death. And man, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, if man, if you can take this cup of your wrath away from me so I won't be separated from you, I would so gladly appreciate it. I can remember growing up. And I can remember being so disappointed when I disappointed my dad. Like it hurt, amen? Because I didn't want to let my father down. Whether it was on the field, in the classroom, just in life. I didn't want to let him down. And you know when your parent is not happy with you. You can feel it, you can see it, you can discern it, you can sense it. 
And looking back on it, I realized that, man, there was, there was a lot of times in my youth that I was deeply grieved by something, but I didn't have words to know how to really lean into that. And so what happened was it just lingered and it festered, right? And because I didn't know what it was and because I didn't know how to deal with it, I dealt with it with the only way I knew how, and I began to do things. And you've heard me talk about this before when we talk about STURBS, right? Short-term energy-relieving behaviors. There was things I would do just to release myself from that space and that for a moment. But I was deeply hurt and deeply grieved. And so all the while, Jesus gives a command to Peter, James, and John. He tells them to stay awake. Don't go to sleep. I'm going to go over here and pray, but I need you to be awake, and I need you to keep watch. Jesus goes on to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then he came and found them sleeping, and he said, Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Question mark. Couldn't you stay awake for one hour, question mark? Stay awake and pray so you won't enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He goes on once again. He goes back off to pray, comes back, finds them yet sleep again. And so, man, when I've read this many, many times, and, you know, I don't know how, how it is with you, but you might grow up like you're watching movies, and my mom was a big movie watcher, and so that was our thing, movies and shows. And I remember watching, I remember, like, me and my brother would put ourselves as characters in the movie. You might ever do that, right? Movie, man, I'm, I, hey, I'm going to identify with this character, Right? And so when you read a passage of scripture like this, what I want to do is, yeah, I want to identify with Jesus. But if I'm being honest, I'm probably like then I'm probably sleeping. Let's just be honest. So I'm going to identify with Peter, James, and John, right? Because it seemed like it was probably late. We just ate a good meal. (laughs) Brother, tired. I need a nap. Right? And so it's easy to kind of Say, oh, man, how wrong they were. But let's go over to the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter. I'm sorry, the 22nd chapter. And this is always good to kind of get perspective when you read other Gospels because they're written from the perspective or the lens of that individual. And so we know that Luke was a doctor, Dr. Luke. He has some expertise in a thing. And so we're going to read here about his perspective of what was going on in the garden. There's going to be some similarities, but there's going to be a subtle shift when we get to a certain place. So verse 39, chapter 22 in the Gospel of Luke, he went out and made his way as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Praise God. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Okay, it's a little different, Dr. Luke. 
You, 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 showing us a, you showing us a different perspective here, right? So there was a blessing in him lamenting and being deeply grieved and stressed to the point of death, agony so much so in some of the gospels says he actually sweat drops of blood. And in all that, an angel came to strengthen him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently. His sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. That, that all matches up. They, he was asleep over there from their perspective. He sleep, but Dr. Luke identifies why they're sleeping. He's going to identify to us why they're sleeping. He said he found them sleeping exhausted from their grief and from their sorrow. And he asked them, why are you sleeping? He asked them to get up and pray that they will not fall into temptation. So here's what we have. We have a a juxtaposition here. We have Jesus, who's in the garden, who is deeply grieved, sorrow to the point of death, so much anguish and agony that he is sweating, blood falls to the ground, and he's praying with so much fervency. His command for his disciples is like, hey, I need you to stay awake, and I need you to keep watch, and I need you to see. But before we went over to Dr. Luke, what we realized is, is that, man, they just wasn't sleeping. But they were overwhelmed by the amount of grief. You say, what grief? Well, let's go back for a second. So what happened before the garden? Oh, were they, you know, Lord's Supper. Oh, man, great, beautiful. Yeah, but before that, Jesus gives them a word. Jesus tells them, one of you are going to betray me. And you go back and read that, what it says is they became deeply grieved because they was trying to figure out, well, man, God, Jesus, Lord, is it me? I, I, I know it's not me. Is it you? And so think about that for me. Just think about that. Let's, let's, let's look at it from the perspective of these disciples. You have given your life over to follow Jesus. Tell me if it sounds familiar. You've given your life over to follow Jesus. You know the hour is coming. You know the time is drawing near. And he tells you that one of you are going to betray me. He even goes to tell Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, man, Lord, come on now. I'm I'm down, man, for the long haul. No, I'm never going to do that. That was grievous to hear because they had so much love, so much adoration for him. So to hear that, they were grieved. So now as they're walking with him to this space and place, you have to think and imagine that they're just sitting there thinking about not the glory, but they're thinking about what was just said to them. They're walking along. They had to be thinking like, man, I, man, who is it? Who you think it is, dog? I think it's going man, I think it's that dude, man, over here. Because that's what we do, right? Because it can never be us. But all that weight of thought and of commotion and processing, it caused them to be deeply grieved. 
And so this, the example that we're setting here for when we talk about lament is this. What Jesus did was practice it, but the disciples did not. Jesus practiced, hey, I'm going to take my complaint. My complaint is I want this cup taken away from me. The disciples had grief, and they grieved deeply. They were hurt, but they didn't know how to really process their grief. They didn't understand what it looked like to lament and to take this because, hey, you're the only father that I've really known, and you just told me that one of us are going to betray you. So there was no way that they knew how to process this. So I I know this because I've been this way. When I get into deep grief or sorrow or stress, man, I go to sleep. And I don't mean literally sleeping. What I mean is, is I'm sleeping so much so that I'm not turning to God, but I'm walking far from him within my own emotions. Because of what I've been taught is I can't ask God why. I can't seem like I'm down. I got to always be up because I'm pastor coach. I'm this husband. I'm this father. So I can't be down. I got to always have a word in season and out of season. So when is my time really to grieve? But I know that ain't none of y'all. And so what I do, not y'all, but what I do is I try to be Superman in every situation. Hey, coach, man, something happened with our young man. Okay, man, hey, let me go jump into that. Let me go do that. Hey, man, could you go down here and meet with the mayor? Oh, let me go jump in and do that. Hey, can you meet the police? Oh, yeah, me. And you're doing all these things, but, man, what you're walking out of, man, you're walking in is more grief compounded because you haven't lamented any of it. I haven't actually taken my complaint about my players, about coaching, about my family. I haven't really went and set it on the altar of God because I'm just trying to manage it. I got it. I'm going to handle it, bro. I got you. And I haven't really learned how to lament that. I haven't really been able to go to God in my anguish and in my frustration. And so because I don't, what happens is I lean more into my sturbs, my short-term energy-releasing behaviors, and I go to sleep. Sometimes, sometimes literal sleep, but sometimes I go to sleep from a standpoint of, man, I'm not in my word, I'm not really praying, but I'm trying to fix it and figure it out. Because where have I taken my complaint to? I've taken my complaint to my friends who will tell me, hey, man, this is what you just need to do. You just need to do this. And the next thing you're like, oh, man, that sounds really good. I'm going to do that. But I believe there's a passage of Scripture where he tells us, in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. I don't know what that is. But I believe it's in Proverbs chapter 3, Amen. But see, this is what happens when we get down in deep sorrow and grief. We forget. We don't practice. And therefore, we don't lament. Because it's like, oh, man, well, I don't want to question God. I don't want to go to Dad. I don't want to go to the Father. And I believe it was David who always went to the Father and said, God, why are you allowing my enemies to triumph over me? Why are you allowing this to happen, oh God? God, why is it that I'm sitting in a cave of Abdulam and I'm lonely and I'm destitute, but I'm supposed to be the anointed king, but you got me all the way out here. 
And David is identified by God as being a man after his own heart. But God, he's whining though, right, God? Come on now. Y'all have read the Psalms and say, David is a whiner. Why are you whining so much, dog? Let's go. No, man, that's his lament. Because why? He really believes in his relationship with daddy. He believes in his relationship with daddy so much so that daddy, here I'm coming before you clothed and naked, vulnerable. I ain't got nothing on. I ain't hiding nothing. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. And I'm angry. And it's out of being deeply grieved by what I see. I'm running in caves and I'm hiding from people. And I fought for you. I defeated Goliath for you. And you allow this to come upon me? Come on now. I know there ain't none of us. I know it's going to be me. I think it was me this week. God, I've given my life to all these young men, and they can't show up? What do you mean you're failing, you're late? Are you serious? I ain't spending time with my own kids at their own games. I'm giving you everything. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? You know why? Because I want some answers. I need some understanding. Word of God tells us in all of our getting to get what? To get what? This is all right, church. To get what? To get understanding. If I'm not asking why, how am I ever going to get understanding? If I'm not asking him to lean into this with me, how am I ever going to get understanding? No, I won't. So I'm just going to keep suppressing all this stuff, all these feelings on the inside because I'm really not taking in my complaint, but I'm taking it to everybody else and I'm throwing my complaint and my complaining onto them. And now I'm weighing them down. And this is why Jesus said, please keep watch. And stay awake so that you don't fall into temptation. Why? Because he, he, he knew his people. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples had a desire to obey Jesus. They did. I believe they fought hard to stay awake. They fought hard to stay up. But the overwhelming amount of grief and frustration and concern and processing It was just like, man, it was mental exhaustion. And so when we lament, well, what does he do? He's going to do us the same way he did Jesus. He sends an angel to strengthen us. And he says, hey, man, son, I I hear you. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. But my promise is true to you, even in this moment. I will never leave nor forsake you. I will always be here for you. And, and Jesus wanted them to say, because he wanted them to witness, look how the angel has restored me. I want you to witness me going and, and, and sweating drops of blood and being in anguish, because I want you to see my humanity. We're in a period of time right now, brothers and sisters, that we have to, at all costs, we have to begin you to humanize ourselves to one another again. We have to try to humanize ourselves with one another again. I get up and tell you stories about my family, man, because that's, that's me being human. Hey, I'm a dad. I got a daughter, man, whose legs are longer than I am. 
that's a problem for me. Come on now. And then when she puts heels on, that's a whole nother thing that I got to deal with. Hey, man, I'm not, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm human. So I pray for her all the more. So pray for me all the more, amen? But if we're not leaning in and dealing with our grief and we're not taking it to daddy and daddy helping us to show where we need to take it to, what begins to happen is we become overwhelmed and we begin to sleep. And some of the things that we see happening in our, in our society today, it's because we're sleeping on our job. We're sleeping on our job. And we're waiting for the government we're waiting for this agency, this person, that person, this group to handle it for us when he says, I have given you the ministry of reconciliation. I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. It's hard for us to go and, to go and display the ministry of reconciliation if I haven't reconciled things within myself because I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give because I haven't reconciled my own feelings, my own emotions, my own deep-seated grief. I haven't really processed it in myself, and I haven't lamented it well and left it at his altar. Say, hey, God, I want to bring you my complaint. And then what he does is he brings an angel to strengthen me, not that I'm ever over it, but he helps me to process it so that I'm no longer asleep on my job. And so my flesh is not giving in to the temptation to want to complain or to want to blame or to want to outsource the responsibility to someone else. And I allowed the spirit to coach me, to support me, to lift me up. See, this is why Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you help. And it's going to be in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to lead and to guide us into all paths of truth. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not this thing like sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as being this mythical creature. No, man, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit was there when God formed the earth. The Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit has always been there. The question is, are we acknowledging the Holy Spirit? Are we acknowledging the Holy Spirit? Or do we perceive the Holy Spirit to be a boogeyman? Or it's like, well, I wasn't raised like that. We didn't really talk about that in church. That's more of a Pentecostal or charismatic church. Come on now. But, but what, we, what we declare and decree over this house is, is that we're a multi-church. And we serve a multi-God. And he has multi-giftings and talents for each and every one of us that come through what? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, man, will meet us in that place as we begin to lament the Holy Spirit. What begins to happen if you read this, and we'll talk about this a little bit next week. Every time David lamented, yes, he came, man, like a fire hose with questions and asking. But, man, by the time he gets to the bottom, he says, and, Lord, I still trust you. I just need this moment. I just need to, I just need to get this off my chest, Lord. I'm going to be honest with you. I just need to get off my chest. I just need to vent a little bit. Amen. Come on, ain't nothing wrong with that. A lot of times we don't think we can vent, vent at daddy. If I can't vent at daddy God, who can I vent at? Because he's going to love me regardless. Why? Because he knows my heart. And it's not discounting my faith or my belief in him. It's actually showing him how much I trust him when I can take him my complaint.
when I could take it to him and leave it to him and say, God, I trust you because you know me. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know my inward parts. You know everything there is about me. Why am I hiding and running from you and not bringing you what it is that you need? So what? I don't fall into temptation of what? My stirbs. I can be a shopaholic, right? I can be an alcoholic. I can be a drug addict, right? I can indulge in pornography. Come on now. Because I'm not what? Because I'm not dealing with my grief. And I'm finding a way, man, to get down into this short-term energy-releasing behavior. I'm just trying to microwave it. Because I, I, I guess for some reason for me, I, I think that, man, like, like daddy's going to be disappointed in me. But see, I have that because, man, I know how my natural father was disappointed in me. And I don't want daddy God disappointed in me. So I'm just going to try to manage it, man. I'm just going to get up, man. I know I got to preach this morning. I'm going to... All right, don't, yep, I'm going to be all right, God, because I know, man, you're going to bring this through. No, man, no, no, we're going to have a sit-down conversation. We're going to talk about this, and I'm going to bring you my complaint. Why? Not because I lack faith, but my faith propels me into that space with you. My faith propels me into that space because I know that you love me enough, and you love me unconditionally to where, man, you're going to meet me right where I'm at. You're going to meet me in my sadness. You're going to meet me in my deep-seated sorrow. You're going to meet me in my frustration and my anger. You're going to meet me here, and you're going to provide me comfort. Why? Because you've already sent a comforter, but have I acknowledged him? And so my call to action for us is there's an individual lament that maybe you need to process and go through based on some of the things that's going on, whether it's in you or even around the community that you're living in, whether it's in your home, where you work at, or in the community that you live and man, lean into lament. Lean into lament. Turn to God, give him your complaint, ask him boldly, and allow him to restore or to galvanize the trust in him. Amen? That's individually. But then there's the communal lament that we're going to talk about next week that's going to be all of us lamenting together and what that looks like and how do we apply that in practice in this time. And in this day, band, come on back up. You know, we're going to sing some songs today. And as we do, as we do this, this is Communion Sunday. We're going to take communion. And what I encourage each and every one of you to do is really lean into a time of lament even now. Think about some of these things that maybe you haven't even began to delve into in the process, even in your own life, that you just kind of set aside and just said, ah, well, we'll get over it, we'll pray, we'll do something, but it'll be fine. See, when we take communion, it's our common union that we have together as the body of Christ to where we meet Jesus at, and we do this to remember him. We do this to remember the anguish that he went to in the garden and how he lamented this situation and how he humanized himself to us in Scripture to where, man, he was deeply sorrowed, distressed, and dealing with grief to the point of death to where, man, he was in so much anguish that he dropped blood, and now we get to drink that, the resemblance of that in this moment. Praise God. 
praise God that we have this opportunity to be in this together as family. And to sit and to dine with him even now to this day. And we get a little bit of just peek behind the curtain of man. The disciples got to do this with him. He washed their feet. He served them. And now he serves us with the bread that represents his body and the wine that represents his blood. And so let's look at this even the nay when we take, let's just look at it differently. Like this was a, this was a suffering for me. And I do this in remembrance of that suffering. Because because of him, I don't have to suffer. Amen? I can choose to if I don't take my complaint to the Father. I can choose to walk in that suffering. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness. We, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to lament. And how it displays not a lack of faith, but it definitely displays our trust and our faith in you because you are faithful. Because you are a ever-present help in a time of need. I pray for us now that we can come before you unashamed. Whether it's in our sorrow, our sadness, our grief, our anger, our frustration, you say, beckon not the little children to come unto me. And in that way, we are still little children, no matter how old we are, because we're your child. And so you want us to continue to come after you, to bring all the stuff, to bring our complaint, because you just don't want to see us complaining. You don't want to see us complain about why things are the way. He said, no, bring this to me. If my people who are called by my name. So, Lord God, we just ask that as we take this communion that Father God we remember that we remember who we are and whose we are and we take this for the nourishment of our mind body and spirit that we may glorify you in Jesus name Amen